And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. How you doing, folks? Anybody got cabin fever yet? <laughs> John was asking me uh, earlier this evening, how are you and your family? I think we're all well, but we're just getting a little uh, antsy. This, this, uh, fever, fever. What has it been, three weeks now, everybody locked down like this, or longer? I don't know. Well, back in March, I know for sure. Yeah, I guess we, some people started it earlier than probably they even had to. Hi, folks. This is Soapy. We're glad to have you on the Bible Live broadcast, and we are going to make our way this evening. We're going to talk about our readings this past week from the books of First and Second Kings. We went from First Kings chapter eighteen to Second Kings chapter 12. Uh, as many of you may know by now, the, the books of First and Second Kings were uh, at one time a, a single book, a single book of history, and divided at the time of the scriptures were translated from Hebrew to the Greek translation, if I remember correctly, the Septuagint, and um, some 300 and something years B.C., Hope I'm not getting my dates wrong there. Uh, some of you'll correct me. I know you will. <laughs> you always you're, you're, you keep an eye out for me. But uh, these this was a, a given history of the kings, the times of the kings of both uh, Judah and Israel. Of course, if you remember correctly, um, just to give us the context, Saul became the first king of the United Kingdom of Israel. In a thousand, the year 1050, 1050 B.C., uh, Saul, then David, then Solomon, with each of them reigning. Now, there were particulars and distinctives of their reigns uh, that would make this not specifically uh, perfectly true, but uh, each of them reigning 40 years. I've always liked that because it... <laughs> helps me remember. Uh, if I can just remember that first date, then I can remember that from 1050 to 1010, when David became the king of all of Israel, 
and then to 970 when his son Solomon became the king. So Saul, David, then Solomon, and then in 930 when Solomon finished his 40 years of reign, uh, remember his son Rehoboam was this stubborn uh, young man who he just would not lower the taxes. He would not take counsel of his own counselors, actually. Said, you know, you, you you better lower the taxes and take the heat, the pressure off of the society. Solomon had been a huge, big spender uh, because he had so many building projects. Um, of course, the temple being among them, but his own palace and the palaces of all of these wives that he married. Uh, what was it? I believe... Something like 600 wives or 700 wives and 300 concubines or the other way around. I'm not sure which, but uh, so many political alliances and uh, liaisons that uh, Solomon formed. Now, the golden age of Israel was during the time of David and then to Solomon. Uh, but then there was a downward spiral as the, the, uh, they suffered the results of taxation, a powerful central government. Um, they just and of course their own disobedience, uh, not following after God. Uh, Solomon definitely was led away from God by his many marriages, these compromises with with uh, idolatrous uh, other idolatrous um, women uh, that compromised him. And of course he he was supposedly one of the great wi- wisdom, the wisest persons uh, ever lived. And perhaps had that potential, God did promise to gift him with wisdom to guide his people. But when you stop following the Lord and stop obeying the Lord, um, some of that blessing was diminished and, and uh, just ignored. So he he is uh, one of those men in the Bible who had a great amount of potential, but never realized his full potential uh, as an individual or as a leader. But then when he died, of course, the kingdom divided. Rehoboam, his son, continued with the tribes of Benjamin and Judah. And Jeroboam, who's, who we learned about years before, uh, had was a threat. He had com- complaining against the king and then fled down into Egypt. But he comes back out of Egypt to become the king of the ten northern tribes and leads them immediately away from the worship of the true and living God, away from the uh, the uh, worship at the temple, away from the Levites as as the appointed, anointed uh, spiritual leaders of the land. And uh, he put installed uh, idols in the north and the south of his kingdom. And, and so the, the, um, the downward spiral began there in 930, they only lasted, Israel in the north only lasted a, a little bit over 100 years, a little over 200 years, I'm sorry. Um, there are about 22 kings listed. One of the difficult things about the books of First and Second Kings, before we get into the details of the evening, one of the difficulties is that if you don't watch it, you get lost in all of the names. And, uh, you know, you kind of need a scorecard or a good study Bible that lists the kings of, of the north, the kings of Israel up above, and the, the kings of Judah in the south. And you can see uh, when, their, when their reigns coincided, when they crossed over, when one left and the other came down. Uh, because the books of First and Second Kings is just that. It's tracing uh, the kings of Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And um, you sometimes get them confused, which one is which and, and so on. Uh, 
And it really probably is important uh, that you get this because uh, the great, the one of the great tensions, one of the great mm, uh, factors all during the times of the kings is this this desire for uni- reunification. This this desire, this understanding that they are indeed one people, one nation, but they're divided. And, um, and there's these. Sometimes they compete and fight against each other. Sometimes they team up and and fight against a, a common enemy that they have. Uh, but the stress and tension there is that division, and and it becomes um, it becomes what we'll read about tonight in the, in the times of Elijah uh, and Elisha uh, about the time of of Ahab, King Ahab. Uh, Ahab becomes the king of. Uh, Israel in the north, and he almost proves to be uh, deadly, almost proves to be a lethal um, in influence over the, over Israel, and and in, and to be very honest, over the very redemptive plan of God. Because remember, as we talk through the kings and, and the people of Israel. That in this time, Israel, not every person who is an Israel, Israelite, this was not, this was not um, genetic. This is not, uh, God never dealt with people on the basis of their, their DNA. This was the fact that this was a people who knew about the true and living God and had a long history and an identification as the people of the true and living God. They had been brought out of uh, Egypt, uh, given their freedom, delivered from bondage in Egypt. They were delivered back into the promised land. Uh, they they had experienced God. They had they knew about God. This was their, their culture. This was their identification as a people group. Not, not that every individual in every Israelite followed after God. No, by no means. Um, just like some people call America is a Christian nation, that never is meant to say that every person in America is a, 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 a mature, committed follower of Jesus Christ. But it speaks to our culture, to our our heritage, uh, the legacy that we have as a society, and the influence of that. It could it could. Um, ebb and flow sometimes they we are stronger sometimes there are times of revival and with with godly leaders and in the in the right times uh god would speak people would follow after god we see that in the books of first and second kings as well but ahab and jezebel they come to reign about 875 um bc this is remember i said that the kingdom was divided in in um 930 BC. So about oh, you can see there. Uh, what what does that make it? About um, 930 to 875. Oh, that's about what is it? 100 and uh, oh, no, I was 75. <laughs> I can't even get my math right here. Okay, um, 930 and then 70, about 50 something years here uh, till we get to King Ahab, who marries a very wicked, idolatrous woman. Um, from the, she is the daughter of the king and the spiritual leader of Phoenicia, up in the uh, northwest corner on the Mediterranean. There, uh, Jezebel was the was the uh, the daughter of the high priest and the king of 
uh, of Aram with their capital in Damascus. Uh, well, I, I guess it was Siren, uh, Tyre and Sidon was where actually she was from. Uh, and um, she came, came and uh, just about brought about the, down, the downfall of, of Israel, even as a nation, and just about destroyed the redemptive plan of God. How did she do that? Uh, it was through her and her daughter, Athaliah. They killed every, every male descendant of David. They almost cut off the messianic lineage of David, except for one small child who was rescued by uh, his name was Joash, and ironically, he was rescued by one of um, Athaliah's, if I remember correctly, Athaliah's sister, who had married the high priest Jehoiada of Israel, of Judah, and she uh, is a primary mover in the salvation. She saves Joash's life as a little child, she saves him, and they hide him out in the temple for a number of years until he is old enough to come back, and then uh, they, the, 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 the throne is delivered into Joash's hands. Athaliah is deposed, assassinated, actually, and uh, Joash comes back to the throne. So the, the um, descendants of David are restored to the throne there in Judah. So it's it, it, what I'm trying to tell you is that these kings and the things that happen to them as we follow their experiences, they have a, a, a whole lot a very much to teach us about, about God and his ways and how God deals with his people, how God deals in this world. And it's very the, some of these questions are very important today because we're all wondering what in the world is God doing in the world today? Uh, we see God here active in the Hebrew script in the Bible because this book is written. It describes, yes, the kings. It describes earthly events uh, and, and tensions and pressures and famines and illnesses and so on. It describes all of these things, but it, 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 it shows us and tells us as well the, God's perspective, what God is doing, what God is thinking. And we get a chance to see God at work in and through his people and in and through the world of that time. And we can then extrapolate and we can uh, learn about God and his ways. God has not changed. The same God that ruled in the times of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in the times of the kings in the Old Testament, is the same God that reigned in the New Testament, in the time of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. In the in in the times of Paul and uh, Peter and James and John and the early the first century uh, as the first um, um, the, the gatherings uh, there began to gather uh, behind Jesus of Nazareth those who believe in him and trust in him as the Messiah the Savior the the uh, Redeemer that God had promised to send into the world and so we we begin to see this movement a spiritual movement. Uh, in the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, we're going to move on from First Kings and Second Kings. We're going to move right from this into the New Testament book of the Acts. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. I choose to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to pick up there, and we finished with the Gospel of John already. We're going to pick up at the book of Acts and talk about the history as we move from the time of Messiah 
when he had come, Jesus of Nazareth, his time, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and then the establishment of, of a new spiritual movement uh, around, uh, it, it, frankly, to be honest, it's, it's, it's a continuation of the, the Old Testament. It's a continuation of the movement of God. God moving in the human race and calling men and women to himself, every nation, every tribe, every language around the world, calling out a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. But we see it accelerated and expanded because the the redemptive plan is now moving forward and God is revealing himself greater and greater ways. And, And we see the spiritual movement explode out of the boundaries of Israel out of uh, Jerusalem, uh, Israel, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, according to Acts 1.8. So we'll get to the book of Acts, but let's spend a little bit more time now looking at First and Second Kings. Uh, we'll finish up Second Kings this coming week, actually, and uh, re- I think on Friday this coming week our reading is from the f- opening chapters of the book of Acts, so I hope you'll look forward to that. And while I'm on that topic, and by the way, this is Soapy Dollar, you're listening to The Bible Live here on this great station. We've been many, many years now, almost 20 years, going through the Bible every year and uh, committed to giving you a chance to hear the Bible itself. Now, what we've done is our Bible readings, a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading every weekday, Monday through Friday, is available for you. I will read the entire Bible to you every year, and it's now available online. You can go to www.thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com, and there at our website, you can click on the podcast, and you can go and find the same reading schedule we have followed for 20 years. You can read, I will read through the Bible to you and with you, and we'll go through the end. If you start this week, if you didn't know about it, you start this week, a year from now, you will have made your way all the way through the Bible and back to this same spot. And so we can make our way through the Scriptures every year. Now, here on Sunday night, we get a chance to uh, answer questions, to discuss those passages that we've read together during the week and answer questions. We can uh, take you some of your comments and your experiences with the Lord and what you're thinking and experiencing and the application of God's Word to your own life as well. I'd love to have you give us a call. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. We've been going through the Bible now uh, almost 20 years through the Bible. Every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, every year. And uh, we're glad to be here for you, especially this is a remarkable time we're living right now. And you can, uh, as I said, go to thebiblelive.com. Or uh, now this past week we did have a little trouble with my, there are two other URLs you can go to as well. To You can go to just biblelive.com without the word the. That should take you, because some people did that anyway. They weren't quite sure what to do. So I just went ahead and purchased both uh, of those URLs. And you can go to thebiblelive.com or biblelive.com or just go to Soapy Dollar, like a bar of soap with a Y on it and dollar like money, Soapy Dollar, just like it sounds, soapydollar.com. And all of those will take you to our website. Now, we have had a little problem with the um, uh the Bible Live 
and the Soapy Dollar URLs. For some reason this past week, um, even Soapy Dollar wasn't able to get on his own website. So we're, we're working on that. But TheBibleLive.com uh, still works for sure. And we'll have it fixed up this coming week. So go there. I would love to have you. I invite you. I encourage you. I challenge you, in fact, to go through the Bible. You've, I know you. You've been thinking for many years, boy, I wish I could read the whole Bible. I'd like to read the whole Bible. And maybe you set out to try a couple of times and got bogged down in the book of Leviticus or you know, somewhere in the Kings, maybe. Well, I want to encourage you to go. Th- Let's go through it together. Just take your smartphone, your cell phone, your uh, or your computer. Go to thebiblelive.com uh, every day in the morning, whatever time, uh, from 3 o'clock uh, in the morning on. You can start, it'll start uh, broadcasting the reading for each day at 3 o'clock in the morning. So if you're an early morning riser, you want to read your Bible in the morning, 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock as you get up, just go to thebiblelive.com, click on the reading for each day, and Monday through Friday we'll read through the entire Bible Every year, and I give you the weekend off, Saturday and Sunday, a weekend to be with your church, with your congregation, whether it's online as we're having to do these days, or when we get back into our worship times and um, being able to gather together, you can do that as well. So uh, there's not a reading on Saturday and Sunday, but Monday through Friday, there's a 15 to 20 minute reading, and it'll get you through the entire Bible every year. And then here on Sunday evenings, just as you're settling down for a night's rest. Uh, turn that radio on, and we can talk about the passages we read, the people we read about, and who God is and what he was doing in that time, and trying to learn from that what God is doing in the times in which we live. So uh, let me throw that out as a general uh, a general observation and a general question for you tonight. What do you think God is doing in our times uh, you who know the Bible and you know the Lord, what do you think God is doing? What is going on? Wouldn't it be great if we could know what God is doing? Well, I think we can. I think we can know, not perhaps in every detail, but there, with the light of the Scriptures, we can really have a handle and know <coughs> what God is doing. Excuse me. <coughs> We can know what God is doing because, as I said before, God has not changed. He's the same God of the Hebrew Scriptures, the same God of the New Testament, the Greek Scriptures. He's the same God through the centuries now. In this time of the Holy Spirit, the era, the time of the church, God is still about calling out a people for himself. The the priority, what we need to look at... Excuse me, I'm so sorry. <clears throat> Instead of know, to knowing what God is doing, is that what is the primary thing on God's heart today? What is guiding the activities of God as He deals with men and nations? What is happening? What is, what 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 is the dyna- dynamic at work that is guiding the events of uh, our lives right here in the 21st century? Uh, if you have a, a if you have a, a, a thought, a comment, or an answer to that, um, <clears throat> I'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about it tonight because that's exactly 
the great theme of the books of First and Second Kings, you can get caught up in all of these individuals, these individual kings of Jeroboam and Nadab and Baasha and Elah and Zimri and uh, Tibni and Omri and Ahab and Ahaziah and Joram and Jehu. All these names of these kings as they came and went, those are the kings of Israel in the north. And then you have Rehoboam. In the south, Abijah, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, Ahaziah, Athaliah, the queen, the only uh, queen of Israel, and then Joash, and Amaziah, and remember Uzziah, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, said the prophet Isaiah. So you have all these kings, but what's going on in the midst of all of that activity, their enemies are surrounding them. Whether it's uh, Egypt in the south, or, or Moab, or Edom, or uh, Aram with their capital in Damascus, or Assyria with its capital in Nineveh, or late, later on um, Babylon <clears throat> with their capital, uh, you know, the capital city of Babylon, uh, the Medes and the Persians Empire there, uh, and later on Greece uh, with with. Uh, their king and so on, and moving on to the Roman Empire. God is doing something. God is at work, and we, we can see and understand what he's doing as we read the scriptures. and take. We have the advantage of looking back now over this time and seeing uh, who God is and what are his priorities, what are the factors that with which he rules and guides the affairs of men and nations. And coming right on down to the times in which we are living as well. If you have a thought about that tonight, and maybe you could give me a thought about what do you think God is doing in San Antonio, Texas? What is God doing in Texas, in uh, in the states all across the United States, uh, from you know the Northeast and New York City, the great New York City, and uh, over to Washington State and San Francisco and down in Arizona over. Florida, the mid, the middle country. What, what is God doing? What's going on in our world with Iran and Iraq and, and with China and so on? What do you think God is doing and what can we take away? What can we learn from some of these things that we see happening in the books of First and Second Kings? I'd like to hear from you. The phone number is easy, 210-340-9585. We'll come back in just a minute and get into some of the details of our readings this past week uh, from the books of First and Second Kings. So don't go away. Give us a call, 210-340-9585. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. 
You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. All right, <laughs> the church on fire from their lips. To God's ears, the church on fire. What's going on in our world today? I'm inviting you, encouraging you uh, to give me a call. 210-340-9585. This is The Bible Live. Our focus this week is on has been on the books of First and Second Kings. Uh, we've ended up our reading in Second Kings chapter twelve. We'll pick up there and continue forward this coming week. Uh, if you'd like to join us in reading through the Bible, um, I would love to have you go with it. Let's go through the scriptures together, uh, the entire Bible, every verse, every chapter, every book. And then on Friday of this coming week, we'll turn, return to the New Testament, picking up there in the New Testament book of history, the book of Acts. Uh, after the uh, birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, then we pick up then at with the coming of the Holy Spirit in a new relationship, a new way of dealing and relating to God's people uh, in the book of Acts. And then we follow then the explosion of God's kingdom and the message of salvation and redemption. The message of the true and living God explodes across the Roman Empire. Uh, hearts uh, of men and women, boys and girls all across the Roman Empire who had been starving and hunger, spiritual hunger, Without truth, without light, without life, and the, the the message of a loving God, a forgiving God, a gracious God who invites them to uh, to be made right with Him explodes across the Roman Empire, and thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of men and women are swept into the kingdom of God. And it, uh, like I said, it, it, David's I've said many times, David's. Prayers in the in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament, he said, "Let all the nations praise the Lord. Every nation, every tribe, every language group, praise God in every place and all around the world." And finally, that that prayer is answered. Always was the plan of God, and that's how David knew to pray that prayer because that not only was it his passion, because he knew that was God, the commitment of God was to the whole world. And so we see that we'll pick up there in the gospel in the book of the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But right now we're talking about first and second Kings. We've picked up now. We've seen uh, Saul, King Saul, then King David, now then Solomon, uh, the great wise Solomon, his reign of forty years. We've finished reading about that, and he has passed now from the scene. His son Rehoboam, stubborn, prideful, arrogant. Uh, will not bend at all, and he then suffers the civil war that takes place. The ten tribes of the north uh, separate from uh, from the uh, nation of Israel, and the, and the ten tribes of the north be, become referred to as Israel and Judah and Benjamin, the two tribes in the south, remember, uh, they pick up and they are they continue on with Rehoboam and Jeroboam takes on as the first king of the ten northern tribes. And so we're going to follow them now and I would like to get some of your thoughts. Let me ask you some questions about what we looked at. Uh, two of the uh, primary 
movers in this era, in this time, uh, in terms of spiritual dimension, is a prophet named Elijah, the Tishbite. Uh, and he, Elisha comes on the scene, Elijah comes on the scene about 875 B.C. Uh, it's about 75 years into the times of the kings. And then you have, following him, uh, Elijah, he is a prophet, a preacher, proclaiming he's a leading spiritual uh, advocate for God uh, for those first years. And then uh, 25 or so years and then Elisha comes. And we read about that this week. Elijah actually anoints and uh, is goes back and anoints his own successor, who is known as Elisha. So we'll, we'll also uh, have some passages. Many of our passages had to do with the life of Elisha. Now then, our, our readings opened up this last week with the very famous, very well-known event. Uh, many of your pastors have preached about this, uh, Elijah at Mount Carmel. Uh, Ahab has become the king, uh, the king of uh, Israel in the north. Ahab has stepped onto the throne in about 874, about the same time that Elijah rose as the prophet. And Ahab marries Jezebel, this very, very wicked, idolatrous, and very ambitious, uh, power-hungry woman. She is the daughter of the high priest of Baal uh, up in the Tyre and Sidon, up in the, the Phoenicia, in the area of Phoenicia. And uh, she is the daughter of the king and the high priest of Baal. And Ahab is foolish enough to marry her. And she comes and, by her influence, almost brings, uh, almost destroys the Davidic line. Uh, it comes within one person of killing all of the um, the possible kings through the, David's lineage, which, as you can remember, David, God had promised that David that the messianic line would come through his descendancy, his lineage. And uh, so <laughs> there was a lot hanging on that lineage of David, uh, and uh, Ahab and Jezebel almost destroy it. Uh, so we we read about that. Now Elijah uh, confronts Ahab and Jezebel about their idol- their idolatry, and because of his wickedness and his disobedience to God, Elijah announces a a famine. A, a, I mean, I'm sorry, a drought on the land. No rain would fall. And uh, and they and it begins to happen, and it becomes a very serious matter. Um, and then Elijah is told, we picked up in chapter 18, Elijah told Ahab that a rainstorm was coming. He announced to Ahab that the, the drought was going to be broken and that rain was going to come. And I have a question for you. Elijah learned about this rainstorm from his servant, uh, he uh, he was told by the Lord to go look out uh, uh, over the land uh, from this mountain experience. He'd go look out over the land, and he says, tell me when you see a cloud. So how many times did Elijah's servant have to look out over the Mediterranean before a small, it says a fist-sized cloud. I don't know if that meant the 
the servant was holding up his fist and was just that big, or it was really a fist size up in the up in the sky. But he says, uh, he how many times did Elijah's servant have to go look out over the Mediterranean before a fist sized cloud appeared, uh, and which was the the first sign then that in fact the uh, God was going to end the drought and the rains would come. How many times did Elijah's servant have to go look out over the Mediterranean? Uh, you'll find the answer in chapter 18, verse 44. If you'd like to look it up, give me a call, 210-340-9585. And then we hear about this great clash of uh, the gods, the great um, almost a competition at, on, at Mount Carmel, uh, Elijah goes. There's 700 prophets of Baal, and uh, they create two altars, and they put the sacrifice on them. And the challenge is we'll see which god would uh, send fire to uh, to accept the offering, to, to uh, take the offering off of the altars. And so Elijah insists that the prophets of Baal go first. They cried and and yelled and screamed and did all they did and cut themselves and uh on so on but nothing happened then god then elijah prayed and and god sent forth the fire the fire fell from heaven and licked up the offering not only that but I, elijah in a great great sign of faith and trust in god uh here in the midst of a drought when water was precious he he doused he poured water all over his own altar and the sacrifice and to, in a great trench around the altar. Uh, he was so confident that he poured water all over, did everything possible to keep the, the fire from happening. But God sent the fire that lapped up uh, not only the offering, the altar, the, the water, everything. And, and, and he won a great victory. And then the rain broke upon the land. Uh, now, Elijah, at that time, by the way, we forgot the detail. Uh, after that, he himself personally killed all of the false uh, prophets of Baal. Uh, and it was a great victory for God and God's people and their influence over the land. But, of course, Jezebel was extremely angry and was going to use all of her power to get him. We've already seen that Jezebel is Jezebel is a very wicked person. And we see it later on uh she um murders a neighbor so that just so they could steal the vineyard from him and we'll see that in chapter 21 of 1 Kings. But uh so Jezebel is going to come get Elijah but so Elijah after this great victory at Mount Carmel, Elijah takes off running, uh, and he he fled from Jezebel's presence and from her power, her threat. To what other mountain? Elijah fled from Jezebel after the Mount Carmel experience, a great victory. He flees, and he's depressed, and he's scared, and he flees to another mountain. What mountain did he go to? It's where God spoke to him, remember, in a still, small voice. Uh, if you remember that story uh, from your Old Testament, God met him there and spoke to him after three spectacular events. 
And I'll even ask you that question as well. What were the three spectacular events that God, following which God didn't speak to to Elijah through those, but he spoke to him in his gentle whisper, a still small voice. So what were the what were the three spectacular events that Elijah witnessed uh, from a cave on this mountain? But it wasn't God. And he had to wait for God to speak to him in a gentle whisper, a still small voice. Okay, so uh, I, I'd like to hear from you if you got an answer to these questions. Uh, Elijah told Ahab that a rainstorm was coming before there was a cloud in the sky. How many times did Elijah's servant have to go look out over the Mediterranean before a fist-sized cloud, a very small cloud, appeared? It's in chapter 18, verse 44 is your answer. After the great victory at Mount Carmel, Elijah fled from Jezebel to another mountain. What was that other mountain? It took him 40 days and a 40-night trip to get there. Interesting timing, right? 40 days, 40 nights, interesting uh, numbers. We always uh, A lot of these numbers appear over and over again. Uh, and you know, there's another number that appears already. Uh, the number seven often appears. So um, gave you a little bit of a hint there uh, on our first question. So how what what mountain did Jezebel uh, did Elijah flee to, and fleeing from Jezebel? And then in a cave at that mountain, God spoke to Elijah in a gentle voice, whisper, a still small voice. After three very spectacular loud events. What were those loud events? That's chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. Give me a call, 210-340-9585. If you know the answer, I'd love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. Now, once Elijah was there uh, and God got his attention and he ministered to him personally, uh, remember, I told you Elijah uh, had a classic case of depression. He was afraid. He was depressed. He was lonely. Uh, he thought he was all alone. That there were no others uh, that served God, and uh, he suffered a, a great depression here. Uh, but God ministered to him and refreshed him and restored him, uh, and gave him a job to do. He told Elijah that there were three people he wanted him to go and to anoint that they would be uh, people that would be coming into power uh, and that he was to anoint them uh, in, in when he got back. Now, these are very interesting because uh, he, first he said, I want you to anoint Hazael of Aram. Now, Aram at this time is the main enemy, the main threat of Israel and Judah. And he uh, tells Elijah to anoint Hazael of Aram to be the coming, the next king of Aram. Uh, and um, so e- Elijah is told to do that. He also tells Elijah to, to anoint the next king of Israel, even though Ahab and Jezebel are firmly ensconced, or firmly stationed in the throne of Israel. He tells him to go back and anoint a man named Jehu, of Israel, to be the next king of Israel. Very interestingly, Jehu is the wild man. Any of you ever read the book? John, what's the name of that book where 
the 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 guy he goes he's a giant and he gets tied down uh tra- Gulliver's, travels. Gulliver's travels Gulliver's travels you remember the little people in Gulliver's travels remember what their name was what they were called Not on top of my head. yahoos they were the yahoos well, that name, that name comes from Jehu here in the uh, Hebrew scripture. Uh, Jehu was a wild man. Uh, he was uh, kind of a wild and crazy guy. Pick up on, yeah, well, who's that? Used to Steve Martin. Steve Martin, the wild and crazy guys. Uh, but but Jehu, uh, he is anointed uh, to become by uh, Elisha sends one of his uh, disciples. One of his younger um, students in his school of, of, of prophecies, prophets, preaching school, he sends one of the younger, and he says to him, he says, by the way, he said, go anoint a Jehu, but as soon as you finish anointing him, get out of there. <laughs> Escape, run for your life. Uh, because Jehu is a, he's just kind of a loose cannon for sure. And he does that, and Jehu then is anointed, and he goes and turns out, that he is the one who uh, destroys uh, the king uh, Ahab and, and Jezebel's reign. Um, so Jehu of Israel, Hazael of Aram, the king of the main threat to Israel uh, and to Judah, and then Jehu, and then Elijah is told to anoint a third person who would be his successor, a person who would take over. Uh, his ministry, when his ministry was completed, he was going to he was to anoint and assign his own successor. Who was that? Who was going to be the successor to Elijah? Can you give me the answer to that question? I've got some good questions out there for you folks. Give me an answer. 210-340-9585. That's the phone number. I'm waiting for someone to call with, with some Bible knowledge and some understanding of this. Uh, oh, these questions that I'm asking. Uh, so we want to find out who is Elijah's uh, successor, the one that he was to anoint to be his own successor. Uh, he was. It was revealed to him by God at this mountain uh, that that he was to anoint these three people: Hazael to be the king of Aram, Jehu to be king, become the king of Israel, and his own successor. Who was that? Um, Let's move forward here. Ah, oh, boy, there's so much to be. This is very up and down, and it's not sometimes not quite easy. It's not uh, you know everything we expect. There was a time in Ahab's life. There was an actual time, a moment in Ahab's life when he repented. Uh, Ahab repented of his sin. He. He uh, of his sin against God, and see the thing about it is, folks, we never know. We 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 can't see into his heart, but there seems to be a moment when he softens. Ahab evidently is an extremely weak individual. Ahab, and uh, uh, he seems to be a very weak individual. Um, sometimes. Uh, you know we have we have leaders like that. Um, Bill Clinton was an extremely weak individual. He loved being liked. He wanted everybody to like him, uh, and he was overrun and overwhelmed by a very strong female. 
uh, Hillary Clinton. And so we, we can see some of these types of people, uh, even in our times. Uh, but Ahab had a moment when there was a sensitivity somehow to God. And, uh, and in that time, God blessed and gave him a victory over Ben-Hadad, who was the king of Israel's greatest enemy at that time, king of Aram. This is who Hazael is going to replace. Um, but uh, Aram is the great threat with their capital up in Damascus at this particular time, the great threat to Israel. It had been Egypt in the south, and then it moved on north, uh, Aram, and then later it will move on further to the east over to uh, um, Assyria, it's called, their, their capital city of Nineveh. Remember in the time of Jonah and so on, Nineveh. And then it moves further east over into the uh, kingdom, uh, kingdom of Babylon, their, their, their capital city of Babylon, exactly, in the Medo-Persian Empire that follows them as well. So um, who is um, – let me see, what was it? Am I going to ask the question – uh, oh, okay, uh, Ahab did have a moment of repentance, sensitivity to God, uh, but then returned to his wickedness and so on. And uh, Elijah predicts Jezebel's death. Uh, they records in 1 Kings 21, not only is he a wicked, evil ruler, but even personal rule and personal greed. He, he, he is jealous over a neighbor's vineyard. And so his wife said, "What are you jealous for? Just take it, just kill him and take it away." And so they killed the neighbor, and they took away the vineyard uh, from this man. It, not only were they, in other words, it wasn't just that he was a wicked ruler; he was a w- evil, wicked person. What was the name of the man who was killed, and his vineyard was stolen from him by Jezebel and Ahab? What was his name? It's in chapter twenty-one of the book of First Kings. All right, give me those names. So I've got some questions out there, folks. I really need someone to give me a call and answer these. Clean them up for us. Elijah told Ahab that a rainstorm was coming before there was a cloud in the sky. How many times did Elijah's servant have to go look out over the Mediterranean before a fist-sized cloud appeared? It's found in chapter 18, verse 44. That's where the answer is. This is an open book quiz. Give you a chance to look it up and give us a call, 210-340-9585. After the great victory at Mount Carmel, Elijah had a great victory there in the in his challenge in his uh, uh, to the prophets of Baal, 700 prophets of Baal, and uh, God sent the fire from the sky that lapped up the, 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 the sacrifice. Uh, and uh, Elijah, even after that great victory, he fled from Jezebel uh, into another mountain. What was the what was that other mountain? Forty days and forty nights away. Should that's a pretty strong hit right there. What was that other mountain that Elijah fled to in the south uh, uh, of Israel? And in a cave at that mountain, God spoke to Elijah. Elijah in a still small voice. Only after there were three spectacular events. That happened. What were those three events? All right, that that God that were there, but God wasn't in them. 
And he, after that, he spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. Uh, Elijah was to anoint three leaders, Hazael of Aram, Jehu of Israel, and he was to, uh, uh, to anoint his own uh, successor in the ministry. Who was Elijah's successor? In the chapter 19 of 1 Kings, verse 15, we're given the answer. Uh, then I ask you the question about Jezebel murdered and stole the vineyard of a man uh, in 1 Kings chapter 21. What was his name? Uh, there's something else I wanted to ask you about that you should know the answer to this. Uh, uh, okay, let me see. Elijah did not die. Elijah did not die in the normal sense. He went on to glory, but he did not die. What was the manner, how did God take Elijah out of this world? Second Kings chapter 2, we're told about it. How did God take Elijah out of this world? Give us a call. Really need to hear from you. 210-340-9585. The Bible Live. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Sweet, sweet song of salvation and tell the people everywhere. Oh, sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation to every man in every nation. Sing that sweet, sweet song of salvation and let the people know. All right, we are back. Woo! That is a little. Blast from the past, right? That's the soapster back years and years ago when we had a voice, a little bit of a voice. Good to have you back, folks. This is the Bible Live, our final segment. Haven't been able to entice any of you. Maybe my questions have been too hard. I don't know. We haven't gotten very many calls, but we've got someone on the line today that's going to help to right now who's going to answer maybe at least one or two or three of our questions. Michael's given us a call. You can do the same thing. The phone number is 210 340 9585. Let me hear from you. Let's go talk to Michael first. Hi, Michael. Hi. Good to hear from you. Thank you. You too. How are you holding up these days? Uh, just getting off of work. Well, I'm so glad you took time to give us a call. Uh, did you want to answer perhaps some of our questions from the Bible tonight? Sure. 
Okay. Now I don't know. Did you have one one of the questions particularly in mind, or that you know the answer to? Uh, I was trying to get them all. Like I'm on Second Kings. I guess you said Second Kings. Yeah. Chapter nineteen. Chapter nine. Oh yeah. Remember when when Elijah was running away from from Mount Carmel and he. There, there were three big major events, but then God spoke to him in a still, small voice. What were those three big events? Second uh, Kings chapter 19, what verse did you say? 11 and 12. 11 and 12. There were three things that happened. He was hiding in a cave. And there became there were three big major things that happened, but God wasn't in those big major things. He spoke to Elijah in a still small voice. What, what are those major things that happened? The gods of the nation, which my ancestors destroyed. Are you in first? Are you in first Kings? Oh, I'm in the wrong one. I'm in the second That's all right. We got a, we got a lot of noise. Can you turn your radio off? I think maybe radio is interfering with our signal. No. Uh, let me try that. I'm so sorry, Michael. I'm so sorry, but we've got a lot of noise on there. I'm not hearing you very well at all. Okay. One minute. I'll tell you the answer, though, just in case you want to know. There was a great wind, then there was an earthquake, and then when there was a big fire. How's that? Is that better? Can you hear that's, me now? Oh, that's much better. Thank you. That that that. But I already gave you the answer, didn't I? The the wind. No, I didn't hear you. The answer. There was a wind, a great wind. Then there was a great oh. earthquake, and then the third one was what? It says, after the earthquake, there was a fire. A fire, yes, indeedy. Those, wind, earthquake, and fire. But then God wasn't in those. He spoke in a still, small voice. A very interesting, uh, a very interesting story there, actually, uh, that happens. Do you know what mountain, can you tell from chapter 19, verse 8, what mountain was Eli, had Elijah fled to? Where was he? Um... Is that in the after the chapter nineteen, verse eight? In First Kings. First Kings nineteen eight. Yes. I think I'm right. Uh, the mountain of God. The mountain of God is told. Let me see here. What? Mount Sinai. The yep. mountain of Mount God. Sinai. It's also called Mount Horeb, which means sword. It's where the laws of God were given to Moses. Um, many hundreds of years before that, uh, God's law had been given to Moses and uh, at Mount Sinai. And that's where Elijah, he was running away from Jezebel, and he made the 40 days and 40 night trip. Remember, that's how long Israel took 40 years they spent uh -huh. in the wilderness to get back up from Mount Sinai up to the promised land. So they're 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, and there God speaks to him, not in the wind and the earthquake and the fire, but in a still, small voice. One other question, Michael. I'm so glad you called. Thank you. 
I was getting lonely here. How many? It, it, God told Elijah that he was going to send a rainstorm, and Elijah sent his servant to look out over the Mediterranean Sea. And how many times did the servant have to go look to find before he saw a a very small little cloud about the size of a man's fist? It's found in chapter eighteen, verse forty-four. How many times did the servant have to go to look for that cloud? Do you happen to remember that one? <laughs> uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at it right now. Chapter and we're never eighteen forty-four. Lonely loneliness is a lie from Satan. I'm a single man, and Satan can't make me feel depressed. I'm so proud of you, bro. Keep walking with the Lord. All right. Yes, sir. First Kings. First Kings forty-four. 18 and 44. Okay. What was the question again? How many times did his servant have to go to look out and to, till he saw the cloud? Look at verse 44. Seventh time. Seven times his servant finally saw a little cloud about the size of a man's fist rising from the sea. And uh, God had told Elijah he's going to send rain. They had been, It had gone without rain for three years at that time. And they had an extreme drought, but uh, God is working. What do you think, uh, Michael? You're you're a young believer, a single man, uh, walking with the Lord. Surely you have asked yourself in your mind and your heart, you know, we have this coronavirus. We have all this stuff going on with China, with Iran, and the world seems to be a great kind of upheaval, even in our own nation. What What do you think? God is doing in our world today. What? Why do you think some of this is happening? Got a got a thought? Um, the coronavirus. Well, not just the coronavirus, but of course that's a major factor. That's something going on around the world today. Uh, but but do you try as a believer? Don't you try at time to go? God, I wonder what you're doing. Why? Why? Why is all this happening to our country or to our world? Have you have you asked yourself that question at all? What what do you think might be going on um, in the world? I really uh, sometimes I I wonder if uh, when Jesus is coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, brother. I really do. I really do. And I, and maybe this maybe it'll be tomorrow or tonight even. But yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, uh, about that, and maybe this, you know, when we look at Scripture, oftentimes if you look at the book, uh, the Revelation in the in the New Testament and others, there are things that are told that, you know, there famine and there are plagues and so on spoken of. Um, yeah. I do wonder about that. Uh, anything else? I, I I agree with you that that's a good thought right there. Um, Anything else you're thinking? Maybe why why some of this might be taking place? Don't worry. Um, if you don't know, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I was just kind of wondering what other people are thinking about. That's a good valid question. All right. Uh, can you ask again, though? Yeah, I was just wondering what do you think is going on in the world? What why is you know the you know, this coronavirus and this illness, and then you got Iran and their power, and you got all this China's powers rising, and all of these mm-hmm. different things. What what is guiding all of this? Is this is it all just sort of chaotic, or do you think there's a 
Is God at work somehow? What is he doing in the midst of all of this? Well, one thing I know is that God, this is the devil's world. Interesting. And I think it's all in preparation for the Antichrist. Okay. So I think that while we're in preparation of fulfilling all the Bible, uh, you know, the prophecies of the Bible are all being fulfilled. Right. That's Jesus' signs to show his believers that this word is real and true. That's exactly right. And Wonderful. Go ahead. Yeah. It's to help strengthen your faith in God, because God shows himself in many ways yeah. through, through through many ways and miracles and many signs that he's he's coming and we just got to prepare because we don't know the exact moment so i mean all this chaos and stuff yeah that's just the thing trying to scare us and it could be that and because i i don't think god brings bad to his people that he loves yeah uh, I, I mean he's a father and he's loving and he you know like he flooded the earth noah's ark but he prompt he sent a rainbow that's that that was over yeah well, good for you, Michael. Those are good words. They are really good words. I'm glad I, I got I persisted in asking you because you've had some good thoughts there. You really have. Now, how long have you been walking with the Lord? How many? Mm-hmm. About two, two and a half years, maybe. Well, Michael. Well, all my life, like backslid and stuff. My family. I've been a Catholic when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I, you know, I, I stopped being a Catholic, and I. You know, it was nothing, and then I was an atheist, and then I went to uh, Pentecostal church, and then I went to a Baptist church, so I was baptized a couple of times. And then uh, I became an atheist again, and then I'm back to being a Christian for the last two and a half years. And you're going to and, stay with the Lord now, right? Yes, sir. I'm baptized again, and I think I'm baptized for real this time. Amen, yeah. brother. I'm so proud of you, Michael. Thank you for calling me. You, uh, I've really been enjoyed to hear from you and, and encourage you in the Lord. Just my younger brother, just keep walking with the Lord. And, and your instincts are right. God is at work. God is doing. He's not just, uh, you know, it's not just all chaotic. And, and God is doing something. And, and stay tuned. I want you to stay tuned. I'm going to give give you a thought that maybe it would help us as believers to understand the times in which we are living a little better to know what is going on. And now we, I'm not trying to be some super, you know, prophet or something and say, I know exactly what God's doing, but I do know the, the big priority and you've put your finger on it in a way already that we, something we need to know as believers, what is God up to in our lives? And uh, it's one of the major factors that guides all of the things that are happening in our world uh, as you're right, Satan has a certain amount of freedom. This is a world in which good and evil coexist, and men are constantly in the in the valley of decision. Men and women everywhere are having to make a decision about if they want to serve in God and know God and love God and be part of the people of God, or they do not. All over the world, people are having to make that decision. And uh, that that is the primary thing going on. As we look in the Bible, the primary dynamic is the harvest the spiritual harvest michael of men's souls that's what's happening and we are blessed as a nation to the extent that we lend ourselves to god's purposes of redemption redeeming mankind and when uh, when america 
served God and loved God and sent out missionaries and invested resources in helping spread the gospel around the world, America was blessed. And as we have moved away from that position of faith and trust and obedience to God and to his purposes, we found that our, our lives have become complicated. Uh, crime rises and um, the value of life is lessened and gone down and so on. So one of the primary factors we need to look at in the world as God deals with men and nations is how are we fitting into his redemptive plan? Are we as a nation? And it doesn't mean every individual, but uh, as a people, uh, America as a people, we have probably, uh, who knows, maybe I've heard estimates of 30 to 40 million people who follow after the Lord and know the Lord in our nation. But are we really following him? Are we praying? Are we seeking God's face, turning from our sin? Uh, these these are important questions, and they're, they're real. It's not just pie-in-the-sky spirituality. But are we truly following after God? And, and that's, that's a factor that we always have to take into account when we, when we think about God dealing with men and the nations. God's primary purpose on earth here is the, the harvest of men's souls. And that includes helping uh, us who are believers to grow into godly men and women, to be disciples of the Lord. So that's, that's part of the harvest as well. Good to talk with you, Michael. You are a great friend, a great brother. I appreciate you giving me a call tonight on the Bible Live. Hope I get to hear from you in the future some as well. Call back anytime. Likewise. You bet, my friend. God bless you. Good to talk with Michael tonight. A young believer, two two and a half years. He's got had a a, a lot of lot of life. He's wandered a lot. He he's gone from uh, you know kind of perhaps some kind of religious background and upbringing and which uh, doesn't satisfy necessarily by itself and then he's gone to abandoning god and walking away from god and unbelief total unbelief in god not following off to god even resisting god perhaps and then back to seeking god you know going to a, a church uh, I, I i bet it, i wish i'd ask him but i i'm i'm almost sure there's a friendship or perhaps a, a girlfriend or someone involved in that little calling him back and, and, and inviting him back to church and back to uh, a, a church where he could hear about the gospel, a good, healthy congregation that honors God and honors his word and 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 uh, and preaches the gospel, uh, the life of faith and trust and obedience to the Savior. So Michael, a lot, a lot in his story, there's a lot in that, and maybe there are others, many of his, others of you listening with that same kind of experience, but um just want you to know, though, that we uh, are here on Sunday nights, the Bible Live. We are here and uh, looking through the Bible. We make our way through the entire Bible every year. Uh, this past week we read it. And if you follow the Bible Live, you can go to thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com. And there you find our podcast. You can just click on there where it says our podcast. Go down, and you can listen every day, Monday through Friday, every day of the week, every weekday. You can hear a 15- to 20-minute reading from the Scriptures and the entire Bible every year. So I want to invite you to join me Monday through Friday. Uh, take your cell phone, your, your smartphone, or your computer at home, wherever you are, and go to thebiblelive.com. Click on the podcast and hear the Bible reading for that day. A 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures. We'll go through the entire Bible 
You get to hear every word, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible every year. Uh, doesn't take you that long either. Just get a place to relax, maybe over lunch, sometime in the day, or in the car as you're commuting, uh, or in the evening as you're relaxing, uh, and or early in the morning before you start the day. Go to thebiblelive.com, click on the podcast, and hear the Bible reading each day. And in a year, if you do that for a year, just make that a part of your your daily schedule. We'll read through the entire Bible together every year. And here on Sunday nights, we get a chance um, to, at 9 o'clock to 10.30, we get a chance to talk about those passages. The things that we read about, you get a chance to answer, ask questions, answer questions, uh, share an, uh, a comment, uh, share an insight, something that you learn from your Bible readings. And uh, we, we get a chance to go through the book of books, go through the entire Bible together every year. I hope you'll pray about and seriously consider joining us on this journey through the Scriptures every year. And I'd love to hear from you on Sunday nights as well. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. Let me answer some of the questions that we had out tonight that I wanted to comment on just in our last 10 minutes here of the of, oh, five, seven minutes of our program. Elijah is a main main man here in this in the great prophet of God, very courageous. Uh, he serves the Lord. A, a lot of things are going on. These kings are rising and falling, kings of the north of Israel and kings of the north down in Judah. And we read about them all together uh, as we move through these. But what is happening then is that in the north, they are walking away from God. Of the first eight kings, all the way up to the time of uh, Elijah, there were eight kings of the tribes in the north. Not one of those eight kings uh, followed after God. Not one of them worshipped God and obeyed God. They all walked away. Uh, in the south, in Judah and, and Benjamin and their tribes, uh, there were more that followed God and sought after the Lord and tried to seek after him, uh, not universally, and some of them were kind of on again, off again, but they were those who were trying to follow God. Uh, they did have the the, the uh, temple was there in the south, and they had the, the priests were there. They still followed after the Levites as the Levites looked after the uh, spiritual well-being of the nation in the south. So we see the ups and downs and back and forth of these of these kings and and of the people. Elijah is uh, this first prophet. He anoints Elisha to be his successor, and then Elijah is taken from this world. He doesn't die a normal death. Elijah is taken from this world in a chariot of fire that comes, and that's the way Elisha knew that he was going to be Elijah's successor. Is that he said, "If you see me taken into the into heaven, you'll know that you are to be my successor." And Elisha witnessed, and, and he picked up Elijah's um, shawl as he dropped it to the ground as he was taken in the chariot of fire. Now, we do see Elijah another time in the Bible. Can anyone tell me when do we see Elijah? The last we see of him in the Old Testament is he is taken up into heaven on a chariot of fire. But when do we see Elijah again 
in the Bible? Anyone can answer that question for me? I'd love to get a call from you here in our waning last moments of the program, 210-340-9585. Who can tell me when we see Elijah again in the Bible after he is taken up in the chariot of fire? Anyone know when we see him again? Well, then we see, uh, we have a remarkable experience. If you look in Second Kings uh, chapter 5, you see that a man, uh, one of the main enemies of, of Israel in the north uh, and of Judah was Aram in uh, Assyria in the north, I'm sorry, and Naaman was the commander of the army of Aram. Uh, Naaman, N-A-A-M-A-N, and he had leprosy. And he has a captive little Jewish girl living in his home, serving as a maid. And she says, why don't you go to the prophet of the true and living God? Go to him, and he'll heal you. And Naaman did it. He went to Elijah, Elisha. He went to Elisha, and he, he, he saw that he was leprous. Elisha told him to go wash seven times in the Jordan River which this man considered to be just a little muddy puddle. He said, man, there, I could go to any beautiful lake and, and, and go wash in any of them. Why does he go, want me to go wash in that mud puddle, uh, the Jordan River? But his, his servants talked to Naaman, and they said, you know, if he told you to do something really difficult, you would have done it. He told you to do something real easy. Why don't you go? And he went down and washed in the Jordan River, and his leprosy was healed and he converted, not only was he healed, but he converted to be a follower and a worshiper of the true and living God. It's all recorded there in Second Kings chapter 5. It's a one of the great story of redemption and salvation in the Old Testament. See you next week, folks, here on The Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.